Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So I have to say this before I, I get the word wrong. So this is Leah Dominiak. Did I say that right? Yes, yeah. okay, I had to practice. I am <laughs> um, really excited to have you on. And I think I've almost done as many of the current dancers as I've done from the past. I kind of done this back and forth, not intentional, but it's so fun to have somebody who's 80 years old telling their stories of what it was like to be a bluebell dancer and someone who's living it now and how, how there's much, what? How much is in common, but also how different it is as far as what's expected, as far as the caliber of dancers. Um, and the lifestyle and we will talk a little bit about like how well you're taken care of as far as like keeping your body safe of things that we tell stories and you guys would be horrified of like things that, that we did without anyone wondering about like I wonder if that's safe or not so it's really fun to see like that this is still going but we're glad to see like oh these are they're taken care of in a, in a different way which we know more now than we did back then about not putting dancers on stage with a whole waterfall and rain traps and all kinds of other, <laughs> other dangers. Um, so you're, you were in the Lido de Paris the, before it closed. And I do have to say that I have a picture with you and with, was it Joe in that picture? Yeah. It was, okay, so this is kind of a fun connection. I'm going to reach out to him because the beautiful photos. But it was such a treat for that reunion that Lindsay Raven, that all of us, every time we do an interview, will give her so much gratitude for how wonderful that um, reunion was but the very first thing was to come to Lido which I had never been there and just be in awe of just the Champs-Élysées and, and walking into that amazing place and then how they had it set up with the I have my t-shirt on too with my bluebells forever this, this was like the illuminated showgirl but then you guys had an extra bonus like I don't I don't think it was prepared for anything but to have you and your beautiful is that a, that's a finale the no that's not you guys are in the flower petals the bluebell the bluebell costume it's the number just before the finale and the finale is with the, the big bouquet of flowers yeah because that you guys were you were standing there in all your glory with that amazing costume and I was telling you before we recorded I I forgot that I did that because I was like oh, oh my gosh you're just like so beautiful and and uh, statuesque and I had to keep saying wait you did this like when we saw the show it was just this reminder like oh I did do that but I still had that same awe of the glamour and the beauty and so just to have you out there and you're taking pictures of us and so when I was doing the podcast I remember coming back I want to ask her because I just remember being in, <laughs> in awe of your beauty and uh, having a photo with you I'm like well that'll be a fun connection to a year a year and a few months later to go that's who I stood next to <laughs> so you are now on a break as the rest of the world is with COVID but do you want to just say a little bit where you are now and then I was tricked because I think on your your Instagram it said Wales and so then your accent I went wait what <laughs> so you can say where you are now and then also where you grew up sorry that was the most random introduction I've ever done so <laughs> good well, luck Leah see where you can take that <laughs> well thank you for having me on your podcast and um so I'm Australian um and I grew up in Australia in um, a country town about three or four hours from Sydney. And, um, and currently um, I decided to stay in France. Um, when the Lido closed, um, everything kind of went into lockdown. And um, yeah, we kind of had about, I think two days to decide 
um, where we're going to go, where we're going to spend our lockdown um, before they kind of close the country. And um, so I was kind of, you know, like I was tossing up whether I go back to Australia or whether I stay in France. And in the end, um, it was just so quick to kind of um, logistically organize um, a flight home. And I also have a dog as well um, to organize, you know, what I'm going to do with him. And I felt quite, you know, um, safe in Paris. So I decided to stay. Um, so, yeah, I've been in France for the whole kind of year. And um, I'm currently living in a small French town about an hour outside of Paris um, with all intention to move back to the city once um, Lido opens again and we get back into the shows. Because when we talked earlier, this is kind of a nice rest in the, the smaller town pace, because I don't know that maybe you choose that when you've got this career that's really in its, you know, full steam ahead that you don't think to go take months and months off to be outside of the city so how how does that feel different depend you know also that we're in a pandemic and everything is unsure some people are still living right in the city and I, I love hearing like everybody chose different of what they were going to do yeah I mean um definitely I mean this is the longest break in my whole career um I've been dancing professionally for about 12 years now and um it's the longest break that I've ever had um obviously not by choice, um, but I'm actually enjoying the, the time away from the big city and um, it's a really kind of slow pace, um, relaxed lifestyle here. And um, yeah, I'm just kind of taking it in and enjoying my new little life here, you know. Um, I know it won't last forever once the show opens again. So um, yeah, yeah I'm, just, I'm just making the most of it and enjoying it. So you've been away from Australia for a long time. Like some of the girls I talked to, they haven't been in the show that long. So going back home feels different if you've been away a year than it does if you've been gone 12 years. Absolutely. Because you've, you've been living quite a long time in France, which we're going to go the whole timeline because your, your, your story's fabulous. So <laughs> let's go back to growing up in Australia. Um, I always like to ask this, like when dance came into your life and why? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I started dancing quite early, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, I started doing physical culture, which is kind of a very Aussie kind of thing. And um, I started when I was about four, it's a bit of a combination of um, dance and gymnastics and, you know, teaches you all about musicality and coordination. And so I, and my mum also did that um, growing up. And so I started doing that with my two sisters. And then I started dance at school. I joined the dance group. And then I kind of thought, oh, I really like this dance thing. So um, then I started going to um, kind of formal dance classes, ballet, jazz, tap. And um, I, did, I danced all the way up until I was um, 16. So I'd finished year 10 at high school. And then I said to my mum, you know, um, I want to do this like professionally, like this is what I want to do. I want to be a dancer. Like I was sure of it. I wanted to make it happen. Um, and, but in order to do that, you know, and to kind of further my dance education, I had to move to Sydney. So when I was 16, I left home, I left Orange and I moved to the big city. And that's where I started a full-time classical and contemporary um, 
course. And I studied um, for two and a half years. And at the end of the two and a half years, I landed my first um, international contract and I packed up and moved to South Korea. So even just that, like, I'm getting an echo. At 16 that you just up and left, that's, that's amazing. Was that, was that training, like you were doing regular high school and then going to a dance school or was that conservatory or what was that um, like? Yeah, this is the catch because um, it was, uh, I was doing purely dance um, six days a week, but um, in order to leave high school and go to my full-time ballet school, um, my mum said, well, I'm going to let you go on the condition that you keep studying and you keep doing your schoolwork. So I enrolled in a distance education high school and I would do school um, by distance education. So I would dance all day and then I would come home and I would do schoolwork all evening and all afternoon and all evening. Um, so yeah, it was quite intense and, um, but I was determined and um, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I was willing to do everything it took, you know. You were that, that ready to do it. Yeah. You, and you, you said you were a twin, which was a fun fact because um, Amy was a twin and like, like there's been several twins in the show too, which that's a fun fact. We get you all together for one interview. So yeah. did your sisters have that same passion for dance or is that where you kind of like did this thing for a little while that was just a fun thing and then you went, I'm going well, for it. Um, with my two sisters, we all grew up, um, we all grew up dancing and, um, you know, competing together. And uh, my little sister swayed off towards horse riding. But um, yeah, my, my twin sister, you know what, she still dances now for fun. Um, but she's, you know, found her own career path and decided not to do it professionally. Um, so yeah, we're, we're all quite different in that way. Yeah, which this is fun. Like you can have, I know there's a group of um, performers I used to know from theater where there was twins singers, but they've always tried to find their own career and they come back to it, but they, they're the best harmonies together. Because oh, wow. it's just an interesting thing how it can work, but also then they're competing against each other. So sometimes yeah. that's a, yeah. a tricky. Yeah, we grew so, up competing against each other, you know, like one time, you know, uh, my sister would win and then the next time I would win and it was always kind of. Yeah, oh, wow. That's a little, that must have been fun for your mom to watch those things. <laughs> I know. I was just, just going to go down. So yeah. what was your audition? Because um, like you said, you hadn't seen these type of shows growing up, which I, that's always interesting how people, is for, they're first introduced to like what these cabaret, uh, you know, showgirl shows are. So what was your audition and how did you get it? Well, that landed um, you that first professional gig. Yeah, so I think actually the first time I was introduced to um, the cabaret kind of world, I saw the they did an article on the news um, about Moulin Rouge, and I remember watching it. Um, I can't remember how old I was, maybe fourteen or fifteen, and um, I remember watching all of these girls, you know, on stage in Paris um, wearing these extravagant costumes feathers and thinking wow like it seemed like a distant dream but I thought oh one day that's what I want to do you know um but otherwise yeah I wasn't um too familiar with the showgirl world or um this kind of um yeah 
style. Um, I was very focused on ballet and kind of contemporary. But um, at the end of my, towards the end of my ballet course, I thought, you know, I'm going to go for um, some different auditions and just see what happens. Um, so I started going to go, going for a few auditions and um, in one week in particular, I went for two auditions. Um, one was for Royal Palace in France and the other one was for a um, production show in South Korea. And I didn't, I don't think I really realised what I was auditioning for. I just thought I want a career in dance and um, I want to get some exposure and I want to, you know, um, try out this audition thing. And so I just kind of went for it and I got offered both jobs in the same week. Wow. It's so, amazing for your first audition. Um, so here I was. Um, I mean, I don't know if this was my first audition. I think I might have gone to a, maybe a couple of cruise ship auditions um, leading up to that. But, um, and I actually did an audition for Moulin Rouge um, when they came out to Australia. I was 17, I think at the time. And um, I, I remember I got almost right to the end um, and they asked me how old I was and I said, oh, I'm 17. And they said, okay, come back when you're 18. Mm. <laughs> so to work in Paris, you have to be 18 now. Um, and so anyway, I had these two contracts, South Korea and um, France, and I'm kind of tossing them up, you know, thinking, well, I mean, it's not a ballet company, but it's a job and it's, um, you know, it's paid and it's doing something I love. And um, so then I had to kind of decide which one I was going to go for. Um, and, well, obviously the French one was topless. So I was kind of a little bit, you know, nervous about that. Um, and the South Korean one, um, at the time, I wasn't, didn't really know that it was a topless contract. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go for the South Korea one. Um, so I packed everything up and, um, you know, flew over to South Korea and um, lo and behold, it was a it was a topless contract. How did how did they tell you that? Was it like you'd already started rehearsing, or because did you guys pay your own flights, or did they do that for you? No, so they looked after us. It was an Australian company. They looked after us really well. Um, they paid for our flights. Um, they paid for our accommodation for the full eleven months of our contract, um, and. Yeah, I think it was the first day or two of rehearsals um, that obviously kind of it came out that we're doing, yeah, I think it was maybe three numbers that were topless. Um, and to be fair, there was a couple of girls that um, obviously weren't aware um, and weren't uh, happy about it. So they decided to, to leave and they flew back to Australia. Um, but I kind of thought, you know what, I'm here now. I've come all this way. I've given up everything in Australia to be here. I'm going to, I'm going to stay. Um, we had a great cast, a great, um, group of girls and it turned out to be one of my favorite contracts to date. And, um, 
I had an absolutely amazing time. Um, it was a big eye opener into the show world. Um, and yeah, I learned so much on that contract. So where, where does Marissa fit in this? So Marissa um, was actually there for our um, first, like our rehearsal period. She was there um, and she stayed up until I think the opening night. And um, she'd worked in South Korea previously. And um, I remember she showed us around and she kind of showed us the ropes, you know, like showed us where to go shopping and this. And um, yeah, and she also kind of, um, gave us some little mini workshops of um, showgirl workshops, you know, like she taught us how to bevel and how to walk like a showgirl. And yeah, that was really fun. Cause it's very different from the ballet world too. Like, did you, were you overwhelmed? Were you in awe or were you just like, there's so much to learn that you didn't really have time to process that you had moved across the country, across I mean, the world? Across the world, yeah. It was, a, I mean, it was a bit of a culture shock. Um, Obviously, it was the furthest I'd ever traveled from Australia, and I left um, not knowing anyone. Um, and I was also like one of the youngest in the cast. But um, yeah, I just, I, I think, um, sorry, what was your question? I'm a bit lost. Oh, just like, just overwhelming when you're like 18, you're in another country, you're learning a show, it's topless, and, and it could be like super exciting and terrifying at the same time. I'm just wondering. Also, when you're working hard, you don't have a lot of time to do anything but just be exhausted. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the first month or so, it was just so intense. And, you know, um, the rehearsal period up until the opening night, it was just kind of like, um, I think, yeah, I must have like, I mean, looking back, I think, yeah, I would have been quite overwhelmed. And I was working with girls that had um, come from, the Moulin Rouge and looking up to them thinking, wow, like I'm dancing on stage with Moulin Rouge girls. And um, yeah, it was super exciting. And just, you know, being my first contract, my first paid job, like I was just so thrilled to be there. And there was just so much to take in, you know, um, culturally and, um, you know, working with a choreographer for the first, like, you know, like an international choreographer for the first time and um, international artists. Um, was, Can you tell a little bit about that show? Cause that was pretty exciting what you're saying of, of all that was represented within that show. Yeah, so we, um, it was a 11 month contract. If I'm, yeah, I think it was 10, 11 month contract. And um, we had a, a troop of, 12 I think Aussie dancers Aussie girls um we also had a troupe of Georgian dancers that did incredible um a male troupe of dancers that did incredible dancing and turns and pirouettes and jumps and I'd never seen anything like this it was a traditional Georgian dancers um we had a, a stunt motorbike act from Brazil um, we had a gaucho from Argentina, we had a magician from Las Vegas, um, we had a live singer also from Australia. Um, so it was, it was showgirl style, but it was just this huge production, you know, um, in the beautiful theatre um, in Seoul, yeah. Incredible. Was that the show you said you were inside the ball of the motorcycles? 
going around. That came that came later. That came later. <laughs> I'm like, it's just what a fun like to be 18. You know, a lot of people are heading off to go to college or university, as you guys say, and then like just like, nope, I'm going to Korea and I'm going to this is the, there's an adventurous spirit of all the people I interview that that take the risk to leave home. Um, so <clears throat> excuse me. So what happened? So what happened next? Were you done with the contract? Was this was it a limited or did it extend and people had a choice to stay or go? Or did you right. all end at the same time? Yeah, everybody kind of ended at the same time. It was a set contract. Um, so everyone kind of went their own ways afterwards. And um, I went home for a little while and then did another audition and I got offered a cruise ship. So I flew off to America and um, I started on a cruise ship in the Caribbean out of Miami, um, which... I have to say I didn't love I think I mean cruise ships I think you either love it or you don't and um yeah I decided to to leave that contract and um and I came to Europe and that's when I went and did an audition um a private audition for the Royal Palace and um the Royal Palace is the third biggest cabaret in France um, it's in the Alsace region and I was successful and I spent the next four years um, in this little village um, dancing my heart out. Is it um, the same show or was there a, a turnover, a change of show those four years? Well, this is what I loved about this contract is every year they did a new show. So I was there for four years. I did four different shows. Um, and we also did like a children's show at Christmas time. So that was, yeah, just exciting that every, every year we had a different, um, we had a rehearsal period of about a month. And then we'd do the show for about 10 months. We'd have a month off. So I'd fly back to Australia and see my family. And then we'd come back and we'd start rehearsing for the next show. Um, That's exciting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So there, I've seen pictures of Strasbourg and I know it's outside of that. So when Amy was telling me that I just, the fact that it's like the third largest uh, cabaret in the world, it just doesn't, to my mind, you think of like in the city. So what was your life like there? Were you, are you a person that likes to kind of be homey or out exploring or were you, what was that? You're young yeah. still. And yeah. So I arrived when I was um, 20 and um, it's a quiet life. Like, I mean, when the show's on, the, the town kind of comes to life because we, it's a thousand seat theater. And um, I mean, there's only 500 residents in the town. It's super tiny. It's about 30, <laughs> a 30 minute drive from Strasbourg, um, but it's really like a village lifestyle. And um, I mean, obviously I bought a car after about a month because without a car, you don't really have a lot of independence. Um, but there's really like, there's not a lot there apart from the, the cabaret. I mean, not even a, a bakery. You have to go to the next village really? just to buy a baguette or a croissant. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was really fun, but, um, having the car kind of gives you that independence and being, um, close to Strasbourg, you're on the border of a lot of you know, European countries. So, and we used to have a couple of days off a week. So we used to do a lot of traveling and um, we would visit the region. We'd drive over to Germany for the day on our day off or, you know, um, do little trips here and there. And um, it's a good, um, it's a good spot to kind of 
out of doing travels and see like other parts of Europe. That's amazing. That's one of the things that, I mean, I love the shows. I'm appreciative for the professional life, but I'm also the tr- chance to travel. Cause I just figure as a dancer, a lot, mostly we don't have much money <laughs> unless you do those shows, you get paid better. But, it, but the fact that, Oh, they're going to pay me to travel. And while I'm here, I can travel more. And then while you're there, you make friends in other places. So you have another reason to travel more and more. So it's an amazing opportunity to get out and see the world. And I think the more you see the world and you're dan- dancing with people who are international, I just think that your view of the world changes than if you just stay in one place, like meeting people from different countries, you're, you're exposed to different things. And that's one of the reasons that um, I actually love this career is because it takes you to so many different places that I mean, I don't know that I would have ever gone to South Korea or gone to um, Denmark or, you know, all these places um, if it wasn't for my career that took me to these places. And then, as you said, to meet um, people, I mean, now, you know, I've met people from all over the world. And like you said, it gives you a reason to go visit them in (laughs) their country and travel even more. And yeah, Yeah, I think it was... I don't know if it's Amy or Laura. I'm getting it confused, but their interviews are wonderful, but now I can't remember about seeing, going to visit now because you see people in their home environment, like when you're all living in Paris in this glamorous world, but to see people like where they grew up and what their family and their country is like, I think there's a new appreciation for the difference and the, the similarity. Like you're getting to see your friends, of, yeah. you know, this is, this is another part that we don't see when we're doing this life. So in South Korea and in the, um, Royal Palace, were you guys known? Like, were you kind of celebrities or was it just, you just did your thing or did, did people really know these are the very, very, very tall dancers that are in our town? Especially in South Korea, I would think you guys would stand out. I mean, it was quite funny in South Korea because um, we did kind of stand out like a sore thumb. Obviously we're so tall, you know, um, and, you know, blonde and you know um sometimes we'd even get stopped in the street or on on the metro and um the korean girls would kind of run up to us and ask if they could take their photo with us and um yeah it was really cute um and at royal palace i mean yeah like everyone kind of knew like you know um obviously yeah around like the little villages around you know um foreigners you know tall dancer looking girls would come in and they would kind of know oh it's the royal palace dancers you know um is that show still going i mean i know nothing's going now but after covid is that something that hopefully it's it's still in existence just waiting probably definitely it's still going and actually they they opened up um recently they opened up obviously then they had to shut down um, right second confinement that started um, not long ago, but they did actually manage one of, I think, the only shows in France, also the Crazy Horse in Paris, they managed to open up for a little while um, to shortly be closed again. But yeah, oh, When I come back, I want to make sure I take a side trip over and see that because I saw the Moulin, I saw the Lido, and I want to see Crazy Horse and then uh, no, oh gosh, Nouveau, Nouveau, I can't think of the other one. That's the one. So I didn't realize there were so many. And that makes me so happy because like Vegas, which, you know, I'm on the West coast of the United States. Like that was, it was Vegas and Reno had so much of those shows. So there's none of those left. And with COVID, who knows what will come back. So just to know that, okay, when this is over, there's still some that are going to keep this going. Just legacy. 
So did you kind of just come to a place where you were ready to go home or ready to go out and do more shows? Like what, when you decided, do I sign another contract or was it offered or did you feel like it was time to switch it up a little bit? Um, when I left to Royal Palace? Yeah, after Royal Palace, after you've done yeah. four years there. Well, um, towards yeah, the end of my fourth year um, is actually when I heard about the, the Lido um, opening um, opening a new show and uh, which they only change the show you know every 10 years um, and I heard about the auditions and I thought oh um, you know Franco Dragone's going to be directing it and this sounds really exciting um, I'd actually never seen the show at Lido um, and so I went down to Paris and um, the first audition that they did in Paris I went to um, I think we were a couple of hundred girls and um, I spent the whole day there. My audition lasted nine hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It was oh my so gosh. <laughs> I was there from 9am and I left at 6pm and then I went back to watch the show. They invited me back to watch the show that night. Um, so is this, had this show already opened or you're watching the end of the other show watching, that was closing? Yeah, I was watching the, the old show, Bonner. Okay. Yeah. This was, oh, I, did wow. audition, I think it was in June, June or July. I did my audition and they did that Bonner show up until that December. Do you remember what your audition was like? Like what was hard and what was easy? <laughs> Nine hours just, or... I mean, yeah, I remember, um, I remember being really hungry because um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously I didn't eat a lot before. Yeah. I, think I had a banana or something, you know, something light because I was thinking, oh, you know, the audition starts at nine, I'll be out by 12 and I'd even organised to go for lunch um, with a friend on the Champs-Élysées and I said, yeah, you know, I shouldn't be any later than, than midday, I'll meet you for lunch. And the hours just kind of kept rolling and rolling and they um, they kept making cuts and, you know, um, we, the group kind of started getting smaller and smaller. And, um, yeah, I think we learned choreography at first. We did, um, we all learned the choreography and then we all had to do this choreography in small groups. And then they did a big cut. And then in the afternoon we had like a whole kind of boot camp fitness kind of section and oh, here on I, a banana yeah on a banana and here I am thinking I'm so hungry right. I, I haven't got the energy to hold a handstand up against the wall for two minutes oh and, my gosh uh, yeah some of you know we we're doing planks and we we're doing all sorts of um you know ab exercises and to just kind of like show like our strength you know um it wasn't just about um showing our technique and our dance but also showing like our 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 strength and our flexibility and it was it was it, it was a very intense audition um were there girls and men from the previous show that had to, that were at the same audition or did they do them separate for those who wanted to audition for the new show so i think the cast at the time i think they all auditioned at the same time but it wasn't the same audition as us so mm. i was there with um with girls, you know, um, girls and guys that, um, yeah, that weren't actual, actually currently dancing in the, in the show. Um, but I think, yeah, we must've been about, um, 400, 
at the audition, there was oh my gosh. a huge line out the front of Lee. Oh my gosh. And then they just keep going. So you're glad that you're getting kept, but also like getting yeah. more and more tired. Because I, I have a very mini version of a cabaret show that I was putting together before this all happened with clo- being closed down. It was kind of a Parisian cabaret, but it's mainly dancers that were training more in contemporary. And it, and I gave them a little bit of everything. I didn't do nine hours. I only had like two, <laughs> but I was trying to give a little bit of everything because I'd be surprised. Like someone that could do this beautiful ballet waltz would really struggle with showgirl walks. Like, and to the point that made me go, I don't know if we have enough time. And wow. you know, like I know when you have to, you know, longer rehearsals and they're getting paid more, it's different or the strength for the can-can. Like there's some people that could look really graceful, but look really noodly and wimpy for the can-can. So it was like, we got a lot of work to do because there was hardly anybody that was really good at all the styles. So to have this long audition makes me think what a gift that is to the choreographer and what a, what a <laughs> difficult thing to be the dancer, but you get to see, like if I've got 400 people to choose from, if you only gave one style, you might miss those people that really are great at one thing or are really good at a couple of things and not maybe even with a lot of rehearsal are gonna get this other style. That's exactly right. And I think um, it really gave us as the as dancers the opportunity to kind of show off our versatility. And yeah. um, especially in the current show, there's so many styles. Um, you know, you've got your classic showgirl, um, more kind of contemporary style, bit of, you know, jazz style. You've also got ballet um, and you've got point work as well. Yeah, and you can't fake that and you can't hide non-balletic dancers in the shows. Absolutely. They need, um, you know, generally the, the Bluebell girls um, are classically trained, but it's obviously a plus to be um, as versatile as possible and be able to adapt to all the different styles. And um, I think also um, they wanted to see our strength because in the new show we have... Um, for example, the the chandelier, which is an aerial kind of um, yeah. number. And if you haven't got that core strength, there's just kind of no way that you're going to be able to support yourself. Um, you know, I think something like 12 metres up in the air, held on by a harness. Um, it's, yeah, that's right. And also injuries and stuff. If you have people that are... You know, some people that are close, you can get them conditioned through rehearsals. But if not, like that, the risk of somebody getting injured and out. What was there a style that you really struggled with, or and some styles that you go, oh, got this? Not that wasn't even challenging. Um, I think um, I felt quite confident in the audition, and um, obviously, I'd um, had quite a. I'd, trained in in Australia you know we don't just train in one style we we train in all the styles um and on other contracts I'd also had the opportunity to kind of learn other styles as well so um I would consider myself quite a versatile dancer so I wouldn't say that I really struggled um Mm. but yeah I've definitely you know improved in some styles and you know um yeah, even in the current show, you know, where I got asked to, to learn the the point duo. And this was, I think, last year or the year before, and I hadn't done point in 10 years. <laughs> I said, oh, no, I did that. Um, but, yeah, I got the old point shoes out again. And, I mean, 
after like a little bit of strengthening, you know, it's the techniques there, you know, um, you just gotta, you gotta keep up and right. the ballet technique, you know. Is that a solo or is there more? In, that's a swan number, right? Yeah. The real name of that piece is that. The, the swan number. And there's about four girls who um, are featured who do point work. And then there's also the featured um, part of deux, duo um, that does the, the point work as well. That's the thing that came up in a lot of people's interview of ballet world is just being too tall. Because if you're too tall and flat feet, but then to put point shoes on, like, so to be at the Lido to have all these tall people that, that get to be partnered and have male dancers that are tall enough for some people, that was the dream come true that they never really got to have that. Cause there was never boys tall enough to partner to support well, yeah, a six foot two girl on points. <laughs> That's right. I mean, once you put point shoes on us, we're giants. Um, <laughs> but I remember in ballet school and, um, you know, trying to do part of the, and I was already really tall at this stage, and there was no boys. I mean, they were shorter than me when I didn't have any point shoes on. So when I had, when I went up on my points, you know, I'm just kind of looking down at them, thinking, "How are you going to part me? This is impossible." <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't really have that problem at Lido um, with our nice tall guys. So did you find out the day of, or did you have to wait after that long audition? And first, afterwards, did you run out and get food right away? Because all I'm thinking is so hungry. <laughs> the first thing I did. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that would be running out the doors looking for, for a baguette. The first place I went, I went and got a sandwich and big juice. Um, but yeah, at, so we, I did the whole audition and, you know, we got measured and everything and um, like our heights got measured because you have to be, um, the girls have to be minimum 175 centimetres. Um, and I think, yeah, towards the end of the audition, there was maybe 12 or so girls and they said, okay, um, we'd like you, they filmed us, you know, performing. And then they said, we'd like you to come backstage. We're going to take your measurements. Um, so they took all of our measurements from head to toe, every measurement you could imagine. And they said, mm -hmm. okay, um, we'll call you. You know, this was the first audition. So afterwards they went to um, Amsterdam, they went to Berlin, they went to London, and then they did another audition in Paris at the end. Oh my gosh. So you went like, from about 400 that day down to 12. And then they're yeah. going to go do more. Oh my gosh. So just the, the fact that you made it to the end of that day in the top 12 is huge but to know like you make it to the show after yeah is, that that again to say the caliber and to and I think you know you don't really realize it sometimes of, of how special that is okay. and the honor to do that after you know a lot of people want to do that but to hear that they went to all these other cities and I don't know if they were trying to match people or there anything else. They just want to get the best of the best or like we want to make sure we have a little bit of this look or we want to balance of this. Or did they tell you that or you guys just, yay, we're in. We don't really know what, why this person in Berlin got it and this person at the Paris audition. Um, I mean, I think they, they want to obviously, they want the best of the best um, and they're very coveted spots, you know. Um, but yeah, they don't give away too much to us, you know. Um, I think I had to wait about a month after I did the audition to, to kind of find out. Um, so I'd finished off my contract at Royal Palace. 
and I kind of knew, you know, I'd done my time there. I'd done four years. Um, so I thought, okay, well, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I'm, I've got the contract in Paris or not. I'm going to go home and I'm going to, you know, see my family and maybe, you know, set up a little life in Australia. Who knows? And a month later, um, I got... I got the email to say, you know, we'd like to offer you a position and um, you'll be starting in January. So I kind of finished off the year in Australia and had Christmas at home and then flew over to Paris on the, the 1st of, I flew, actually, I flew the 31st. I had New Year's in the plane, oh. touching down in Abu Dhabi. And then I arrived in Paris on the 1st of January, 2015. Oh man, and then rehearsals start right away. Did you get there just in time to start? Do you have a little bit of time to settle in? If I remember, I think the rehearsal started the 5th of January. So I had a couple of days because I'd flown over from Australia. So I had a couple of days to kind of, you know, um, get over the jet lag. And yeah. Do you remember those rehearsals? Because this is all learning a show, meeting new people, and not people that were at the auditioning with you even. Did you know anybody in the show when you got in there? Was there anyone you'd known from other shows? Um, so I knew like, um, there was a few people that I'd recognized from the audition in Paris, but, um, not that, you know, I was super close with or anything, you know? Um, and so then we kind of started the rehearsal process and this is for a brand new show. So it's actually, it's a creation process. Yeah. Um, and we were rehearsing outside of the city because, um, they were actually doing some renovations at the theater. So we rehearsed outside of the city for, I think, three months. And um, I remember it being really intense and really long days. Um, just So they kind of workshopping it, like trying things and it doesn't work. Yeah. So it's not when you come in, like, here's your choreography, go. There's a lot of like trial and error. and Yeah, it was exactly that. Um, you know, we'd maybe learn some choreography and then we would, um, you know, show show this choreography and then it would get changed and then you know they would it was a it was a creation process it wasn't mm. um, it wasn't kind of set in stone the choreography so um yeah it was long and it was um intense but um also you know very rewarding because we got to work so close with the choreographer and um you know we're also getting to know there was a lot of um performers from the old cast but also a lot of of new cast as well so it's kind of like a period of getting to know your your new castmates and um, yeah, it was really nice. How was that? Because I think it was Jeremy I talked to because I think he was in Bonaire, Bonaire. Yeah. And did both because uh, like you're saying goodbye to your friends that didn't get cast and then you've kind of got this friendship started. But if you're a new person, did it feel like, oh, they've already got their their friendship started or because everybody's exhausted and starting over? So I just think like how you start that out is kind of who your friends are going to be and people come and go on those contracts, but just curious of what that is like when you're coming in brand new and some people are already established as friends. And... Um, yeah, I think, you know, um, the old cast were super welcoming to, to all the new dancers. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess there was um, obviously like some of them who kind of had their close friendships already but um, we were kind of all in there together, you know? So um, 
yeah, you know, we would go out for dinner after rehearsals and, you know, there was a few people that would celebrate their birthdays during rehearsals and we'd all kind of, you know, get together and celebrate together. And, um, um, yeah, it was really lovely. Like, um, everyone kind of got along and everyone, yeah, was exhausted, but I mean. How long was that rehearsal period from when day you started till you actually opened? Um, so we had a three month rehearsal period and then we moved into the, into the theater. And I think, yeah, we must've rehearsed for, I want to say another month, maybe like another couple of weeks, the show actually opened, but there was still some little tweaks to do. So we would do the show after the show, we would all kind of, you know, take the makeup off, have a shower, come back up onto the stage. Um, sometimes, you know, one o'clock in the morning and we would be rehearsing numbers and adding little things in or taking things out and changing this and changing the placement and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say maybe like four months in total. Wow. So is Paris, because you guys are such a, um, I want to say landmark, it's not the right word, but are people in Paris excited for a new show or is it more of the tourists that come through? Because it doesn't change over that much. When a new show happens, is there a buzz in Paris to see the new show and an expectation? Or is it Parisians do their own thing and maybe pop in there? Or is it something that, that they pay attention to? Um, no, we do, have, um, we do have quite a large French audience as well. Um, and I think also like um, in the entertainment world, like other shows and things like this, everyone was yeah excited to see like, what's the new show going to be like? And, you know, um, what are they going to do? And like, cause this is different. This is going a different direction than where the shows have gone before. Right. Yeah. So they've kind of um, ventured out to kind of make it a little bit more modern mm-hmm. to what it was before, like a very traditional cabaret show. Um, and they've kind of modernized, you know, still keeping, you know, the traditional show girls and show boys and everything. But um, yeah, they've, I think with the style and, um, you know, with the LED kind of screen that they've got, um, we don't have like, you know, big sets coming down and um, it's, yeah, quite, quite modern, I would say. Because that's an interesting illusion too, because I did take, we went that day before the first day of the reunion and to see the stage, which is not that big. And then to do the dance class and like up and down the stairs. I mean, it wasn't that big, but then when you see the show, it feels enormous, but that's that interesting thing with projections. Like I look at pictures. I'm like, no, I stood on that stage. It's not that big. I mean, I was also that hello Hollywood was the biggest stage in the world. So it's feels like anything after that is a normal stage. We were just, ours was the size of a football field. That's not an exaggeration. But when I look at the video of the show, it feels like it's that big, but it really is the way they've, uh, use the the image in the way they move and because the stage raises and lowers that's it yeah our stage is okay. a multi-level stage so um you have like um, at one stage an ice rink that comes up another stage you have a a, a water fountain that comes up and uh, at the back of the stage it's also kind of um multi-level they can bring up different staircases and our big you know opening stairs and finale stairs and they can change it all around and um, that's quite exciting, you know, um, yeah. how they can maneuver everything, you know. Yeah, it's spectacular. And I think 
it was interesting to go to the reunion and see um, that show and then to go to Moulin Rouge because some of those girls had danced in both or one of the others. And, you know, like there's some people that have a preference. I was just so thrilled with the, have it modern, but still keep that, the bluebell yeah. thing very, very um, intact. But I don't know if you guys felt that at all. Is this new thing? Was it a risk or did you, or were you were just excited for something new or did you feel anything from people thinking this is veering away from what it's been? I mean, um, for me, you know, like um, I wasn't part of the old show, so everything was new to me. Um, yeah. So for me, it was all new and exciting and I was excited to learn new choreography and um, I'd, seen the, I'd seen the previous show once um, after my audition. And I mean, it, 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 was, it is quite a different show to the old show. Um, but uh, I think that's also what, what, um, what makes it stand apart from other shows. Yeah. It's unique and it's something different and fresh, you know. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful show. So what was that like for you with the um, reunion? Because I asked you this before we recorded, like there's so many things that you guys have to do besides just the show. Not, and the show alone is a lot, but it sounds like you've had so many extra things that you guys get to travel. And then, hey, do you want to be up there with these all these old bluebells and get pictures taken? <laughs> Did you know much of what, what was coming with the reunion of the history or, you know, our attachment to it? Or was it another thing? Like, what was that for you? Um, so yeah, it was talked about um, bef before everyone arrived, and I think we were like quite excited, you know, to to be able to meet um, other bluebells from you know different generations. And but I don't think I was really prepared for what um, what the night was going to be like, or I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I had a glimpse because as I mentioned, it was Joe and I who did the photo call during the day. So I kind of got to meet you guys as you were coming in for the welcoming and take my photo with you. And already from that moment, I could tell it was gonna be just such a special night because the atmosphere and the energy in the room, everyone was so excited to be there and, you know, um, to, to see people that they hadn't seen for so many years and to share their stories and and then to do the show that night um when we came down those opening stairs just the just the audience was roaring with you know it was it gave me you know almost um goosebumps because I thought oh my gosh like I mean this is so exciting and so special. Um, all you, you were just so supportive and I mean, yeah, it was definitely um, one of my favorite nights that I've performed. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, quite a memorable night. Um, and, and then to obviously meet you again after the show and to, and to kind of spend the evening together talking and, you know, hearing everyone. I was really, oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, just, you know, sharing stories and hearing about, you know, um, your dance career and um, what you've, you know, done now and where you are now. And yeah, incredible. 
Because I was surprised of how many bluebells stayed after because there was a dance party. And I, you know, I just remember doing a lot of extra things when I was in the show. But sometimes you do it and then you just get your makeup off and go home. But there was a lot of uh, current bluebell dancers that were out there partying and hanging out. And it was so fun to see that. I think everybody stayed. Did they all stay? That was like, oh, this, they're not made to do this. They're actually staying here if they want to stay here. I was, I think we were surprised too. Like when that curtain came up, our reaction and then your reaction to our reaction because I was just everything. I was giddy from just seeing the theater and then just seeing friends again. And then when the, when you hear that music and you see the spectacular and it's overwhelming and like, oh, this is what audiences experience. But I mean, we had both going on because we had the nostalgia, but also to just be on the other side of, of the of the beauty of these shows was was such a, a magical um, weekend. It feels like it was a week it was too short and too long. So I'm just curious, do you have, because the stories are always great on stage. I've heard some funny stories about swan poop and other things. Are there any mishaps of all of all the years you've been doing these shows? Not necessarily the Lido. Actually, I have a funny story from the Bluebell reunion, from that performance, actually. And um, a funny little moment on stage. And after the opening, it was... um, I don't know if you remember the music. Um, it's a kind of tango style um, couples dance. It's my favorite. That was my favorite. Really? So I love that piece. So there's three couples on stage, and towards the end of the number, um, we do what we call a music reprise. So um, there's another couple. There's another two couples that come out, and they do kind of this um, movement, like this. Um, dance movement around the stage and they finish in the two front corners and I was my partner was Joe this night and um we were just kind of you know the the atmosphere was just you know so like we were just we just wanted to do our best and we were so excited and I think like it was the adrenaline and we just had so much energy more energy than a normal show right (laughs) (laughs) we came out and we're turning around the stage, you know, doing our, like, uh, we, I think it was about a demi-circle to the front corner. And, well, I think we just kind of must have sped up a little bit or got a little bit excited. And I could feel myself getting closer and closer to the edge of the stage. And so close, in fact, that as I kind of did my rond de jambe with my leg, I heard this smash, all of these champagne glasses smashed on the edge of the table. And next thing I know, I'm flying up in the air and both caught me, you know, it's the end of the routine. And we've just locked eyes and we're looking at each other thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? Have I kicked somebody in the head? And um, he puts me down. It was such a blur. We were so embarrassed. We, We got off stage as quickly as we could. But yeah, basically, I'd, we'd gotten too close to the edge of the stage. We were going probably too fast, and my, oh my foot just kicked all these chances. <laughs> and the next, and the next number, we didn't dare look down at this table. You know? Oh my! I hope it was if it was all bluebells. I'm sure whoever, if there's somebody who's listening, it was you. You can say that was me. In my, oh my gosh! Because I, um, you know, all the ladies that were sat at the table suddenly, you know, they're screaming and oh. <laughs> Afterwards, was, it was so funny, but at the time we were like, oh, I can't believe we did that, you know? Yeah, there's so many of those things. If you do the show over and over, that adrenaline. I actually yeah. worked on the cruise ships for Jean Ann Ryan, 
And I was doing a show in Montreal and I'd auditioned for her, but she decided to come to the show to watch, to see a few of us. And I was so, I had way too much adrenaline and there was a lift that just a jump up and the guy catches you kind of by back of the thighs. I jumped so high that I went over him and he caught me by my foot, but he's like, you need to calm down. Like this is not help. This adrenaline works against you. But I was like, you know, wanted to do a good job and it. The energy feels like it's just bringing off the walls. It's like, okay, you can still have that energy, but I've seen like somebody's shoe go flying off and knock over wine glasses. So it's like, of course, if you do a show this long, something crazy has to happen. And also you get those big costumes on and Oh my gosh, that's, that's, I, I don't know if there's video of that, that would be wonderful to uh, say that you like baptized the front row with champagne. <laughs> so, so what was, um, the show is closed. Like I've talked to a few people and heard their story of just like, you know, this is going to be short term. Were you thinking like, I've got many more years that I want to do this or after the, after Paris, I want to do this or just living in the moment. And then this throws this whole wrench into what's next yeah I mean I'm definitely not finished yet um not ready to hang up the heels just yet I think yeah maybe another couple of years at least um and I would like to stay at Lido I mean I've got a permanent contract there so we're really well looked after and uh, yeah. you know I've kind of my home is kind of here now and um, yeah, I'm really happy. I'm happy at the Lido, so. And you guys have no indications because they really can't give you one, right? Because it looked like things were opening and then they closed again. And, you know, with this vaccine, we have no idea. But you guys are just like, hang tight. Is there anything like, you know, if this goes on much longer, like, are you guys, you're getting paid and taken care of right now, right? I mean, Is there... At the moment, yeah, we do. Um, we are getting like a, a chômage partiel. So it's like a kind of unemployment benefit which we're all super grateful for um but I, I mean I definitely didn't think it would last this long um, yeah when they first announced the that they were closing the show they said we're closing for two weeks and at the time you know um we were all thinking oh two weeks I mean that's long for us you know two weeks off you know especially when we work six nights a week and we were in the full, like we were in the, the swing of things, you know, working six nights a week. We were um, in the middle of um, doing a talent show. We'd just finished our talent show. We were working towards um, an anniversary show. Um, we were doing a lot of rehearsals at the time. And um, to be honest, we were all quite, you know, tired. And the thought of having two weeks off, you know, we thought, oh, maybe, you know, it's going to be all right to kind of rest up a little bit and then go back and then they kind of said okay you know we're closed for another month and another month and I mean now it's been nine months that we're closed and we we don't really know when we're going to open again um fingers crossed you know as soon as possible and I think they're doing everything that they can but I mean yeah now they're talking about a, a third confinement here so we really just we don't know what's gonna happen yet have you come out of the second one or yeah this third was well we've come out of the second one we've got a curfew on at the moment um but i mean yes yeah, there's a lot of um unknown and 
we're all kind of, you know, I, I, I have, um, I've got quite a positive mindset that we're going to open again. And, you know, um, I think, you know, I've got faith that we're going to come back strong and, but when I'm not sure. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, it's going to be interesting if people are a little leery or people are going to be so hungry for live entertainment that they're going to appreciate it more than ever because there's things that, that aren't coming back that like I drive down my street, like when did that restaurant close? So there's things that, that we've taken for granted um, and the appreciation to just gather and to, I mean, you can watch things on YouTube. But it's not the same as that feeling of being in the theater and all the energy of everybody around you and the give and take. It's like, we, we can do the virtual for a while, but it's you know that we're missing so much. It's not the same atmosphere. It's not, um, you know, for the performers, it's, yeah, we miss being on stage and, we want to get back on stage, you know, like um, we're not used to having such a long break. Um, and yeah, I hope that um, people will be, you know, excited to come back and go back to the theaters and, you know, start watching yeah. shows again. And I just, yeah, I feel horrible for the, there's been some shows that have had to permanently close because of this. And, you know, I'm grateful that we're still going to be able to open again and um, hopefully, <laughs> sooner than later it would be tragic there's things that would be sad but there's things like the Lido or the Moulin Rouge that are that have been there so long that are such a part of the expectation of an experience in Paris that just feels like that you know like whatever keeps this going because it feels everything's important it's sad that things are going away but it's just hard to imagine that option to go to Paris and not have absolutely these shows uh, it's, it's it's so prestigious and it's so iconic, you know, it's part of, and the Moulin, it's part of what makes Paris, Paris. Yeah, that's like, it has so, to come back. I could not imagine Paris without the Lido, you know. Well, it's interesting at the beginning of quarantine, I don't know if it was universal, but everybody was cleaning their apartments and baking and I'm going to get this done. <laughs> and people were working out like crazy. And then after a while, it's like, oh, I started eating a lot more sugar and I don't really, you know, I've been walking but for you is there an expectation because I see there's some there's a lot of Lido dancers that are teaching fitness classes and some of it's just that's your way of life but is there an expectation or is it like you know a little rest is good for the body and when we get there we still have time to ramp back up not like you know you've all like tripled your size and now you can't fit this <laughs> costume I mean there's gonna be a little bit of conditioning but is there a pressure that you have to like stay at the top of your game knowing that the coming back isn't going to be like, you're not going to just walk in in a week and put the show back up. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think we're going to have a, at least a couple of weeks um, rehearsal, you know, um, but I do think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to, to go back to that intense rhythm after not working for, for nine months. Um, yeah. But the fact that we don't know when the show is going to open, you know, um, I think it's up to each and every one of us to keep our bodies, um, you know, in, in good form and to, to continue to look after our bodies and, you know, keep up our exercise and um, our stretching. And it hasn't been easy, you know. Um, oh, yeah. The thought of doing a can-can right now, there would be all kinds of torn muscles. <laughs> like, I'm just thinking some of those numbers would be like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For the no, injury's sake. The thought of doing can right now hurts my hamstrings. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, um, 
what have you done with your mind, not just your body in this place of waiting? Because I think it could make some people crazy than not knowing some people, you know, there's all ways we survive. Like, what are you doing to keep yourself in a healthy mental state during this? Um, I think um, generally I'm quite a positive person. So I always try and look for the good in things. And um, I've also been, especially during the first lockdown, the first confinement, I was really getting into my yoga. And um, I feel like that's got su such good benefits for, yeah, not only the, mind, um, the body, but also the mind. And I would do yoga every single day during the first confinement, um, which I've kept up. I don't do it every day, but I've kept it up. And um, it also helps with um, flexibility and things like that, just to keep the good condition of the body. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, just um, getting out in nature as well. Mm. It definitely helps. Um, spending time with my little dog. Um, he's always excited and happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's, coming back, but like, I think this is an important question for all of us. Like what, not like just to have this as a lesson, what have you learned from COVID? Because I think there is of having to be with ourselves. We learn a lot, but also like, there's things I don't want to go back to that were normal, that were just the, the, the frenetic pace, or there's things that I want to, like, I don't think it has to be intentional. I think it's actually shifted in my psyche and my body of, I feel different. I'm, I'm behaving different. Is there anything out of this time that you feel when you come back into that theater will have changed or that you want to bring with you or things that you're like, you know what, there's things I don't want to go back to that maybe weren't healthy. Um, well, there's not, there's not really anything in particular that I can think of. Um, but I think, um, you know, spending so much time, well, for me, yeah, spending a lot of time alone as well um, in the first lockdown and, um, it's kind of taught us to, you know, slow down and um, look after ourselves and um, take time out, rest, relax. Um, and I also had a lot of spare time to catch up with, um, you know, friends and that maybe I wouldn't get the chance to speak to on a, such a regular basis. Um, because it's just life happens and, you know, um, I'm also on a different time zone to a lot of friends back home and, you know, you're working and, I mean, at least having some spare time, you know, you have time to catch up with people and connect, which has been lovely. Mm. So as we're going to close here, when you think of that, like, what does that feel like if you close your eyes and imagine that first time back on the stage, what is it that just gets you the most excited of what that's going to be like? Like, what do you miss and what do you look forward to that would, that that's not just your head, your whole being? Um, I think I'm going to have like uh, nervous excitement, like nervous excitement butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, I think being backstage in the lodge putting my makeup on, getting in my costume, but then to also um, in that opening number, we have the big staircase. I think just coming down those stairs for the very first time and seeing a public in front of us and seeing an audience 
and getting to do what we love again and hearing the the music kick in and yeah I think that's going to be so so exciting and um yeah just brings a smile to my face and also just seeing everyone again after such a long time and kind yeah. of catching up on what would have been probably over a year of of not being backstage with them every single night of the week um, yeah. I think that's going to be nice too when I was looking at your pictures there's the the one I love all the onstage ones I love the backstage you have some of the best backstage Hillary too like the putting on the makeup on and there's a bunch of you all because that's the thing when all this memories come up from doing the podcast it's the the show but it's also the backstage it's in the wings it's after the show taking your makeup off there's just all all the parts that make it special and knowing that you guys have gone through something that the whole world's gone through but you've you know done it separately but to come back together just I'm really curious of what that will do for the cast too just you know it's going to feel different and it could be really beautiful that this appreciation for what you have and who you have um I think we're all going to be extra grateful to to be back and to be doing what we love again and you know to to be performing again after such a long break and I think yeah if anything it's really going to bring us closer yeah there's going to be stories movies Netflix series all about this COVID time but it's like the art that comes out of it and the relationships the there's thing I think there's going to be some beautiful things that that come out of it and when I think like maybe there's an end in sight I want to do things I want to see my friends here but I'm so excited to get on a plane and come to Paris like I I'm so excited to get to travel, but like when it's like, you guys will probably be open before America is actually able to do anything. But my, my, that's what keeps me hopeful is like travel again, but like come see the show and come see it also just to celebrate that, you know, that it's back. And so I will have so much fun seeing the show and I'll be, I'll make up for that whole bluebell audience with just me because I'll be so excited. And so just so you know, all of you listening, that there's a lot of us really rooting for you guys because, you know, like a lot of us who are older had our career. And I think I said this before we recorded, there's heartache and a hope and kind of like a cheerleader thing for you guys that um, we know this has got to be hard and also really hopeful for you. And I think we want to see it succeed for the legacy, but also because especially those of us saw the show at the reunion, that there's just something so special of that connection um, that it's still going, that you guys are such amazingly beautiful dancers. And what I've done at the podcast also of learning such amazingly beautiful character. Um, yeah. So we're all rooting for you. So in this time of waiting that you've got, like, I just like your environment looks so beautiful and that, you know, you're away from the city that this time maybe just for some, you know, restoration and <sighs> Health, health, healthy, something that's going to bring you back even stronger because we did, I don't know if I said this, but you're 31 and we had said like that when you're young, at 18, you think a 30 year old is like a, I think I told you there's someone in our show that we call grandma. I don't think she was 30 yet. And I go, oh, that's horrible. But as a dancer, like the fact that you are, you know, well into those, this place that you start to be a seasoned dancer, like your life story and your you know, your personality grows. So I think that makes for even more wonderful performers when you get to see those people that have, you know, they're seasoned, they're not old. And so that's another thing is I want to see you get to do this for many more years and keep bringing, you know, all that you've experienced into what comes next. Well, we've all got our fingers crossed that um, this show is going to open soon and yeah, we'll yeah. share that with everyone again. 
Yeah. So just keeping that hope going. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And we're all in this with you from all far away too. So Leah, this was wonderful. Um, I'm so glad to finally connect with you after like being in awe of you at the reunion of like this goddess. Um, yeah. So best to you and just really we're cheering for you. Well, so. thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You and know, happy sure. new year. The next one, let's hope is, <laughs> let's hope We're this next one is coming. Right. May it be better and safer and uh, more healing. All right. I will say goodbye to you too. And thank, thank you so much, Leah. Bye.